C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know, an idea. <laughs> Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh... prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why is it funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about anything. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me? Yeah, I don't know, an idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, T. C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. laugh the doctor laugh. is now in. Our number deuce coming your way here on a Thursday, T. C. Martin Show. Frank Harnish, Numbchuck on the other side of the glass. TJ Reeves is going to join us momentarily from Tampa. We'll get the Tampa Bay take. And, of course, don't forget to get on over to any of the William Hill Sportsbooks and deposit at least $50 into a brand-new account. Use the promo code TC50. You do that, and they're going to give you an additional $50 into your account. And uh, do that ASAP. Do it today so that money is in your account so you can play this weekend the NFL Divisional Rounds. Go to the William Hill Sportsbooks and deposit $50. Got to download the app on your phone first. Real easy to use. And as we know, those in-game wagering options for any sport, fantastic to take advantage of. William Hill Sportsbooks and the William Hill mobile app. All right. wonder if Numchuk's going to be doing in-game wagering tonight with the Golden Knights game because he's all over them. He, he, he's wearing his retro jersey, and then he takes it off, and he's got another Golden Knights shirt on underneath it. He's doubling down on the VGK. Wait, he's, he reminds me of our the T-shirt guy that we just talked yeah. about. What else do you got underneath there? You, and he's, he's got, got the hat on. He's got the hat. The, uh, he's going to the underwear, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that. No, stop. Stop he does right that, I'm out of here. Yeah, he saw where he's going with that. I saw a little, little black and gold there. Maybe that was maybe that wasn't the Golden Knights logo. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Bathe off it, Numchuck. That's what you need to do here. All right, all right. Let's talk a little NFL football. Our, our next guest, ladies and gentlemen, as we bring him down, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter. Oh yes, he is the man in Tampa, hoisting and touching uh, Stanley Cup trophies. Saw his Tampa Bay Lightning uh, destroy the Chicago Blackhawks and, last and night. And former VGK goaltender Malcolm Subban. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. But he will be very pleased to know that our last guest, Mr. Steve Berline, is picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to take care of business. T.J. Reeves, how do you respond to that? Well, it is good to be with you. And the first question that comes to mind is, does Berline know what he's talking about with previous selections when he goes and makes that pick? Does he have some kind of track record? Is he be getting them right? I mean, what's the update here? Yeah, he's you good. You got the Vegas guys. Yeah, what's the track record? He, he's, he's good. He's good. He'll only make his picks here because as a member of the media and a former quarterback, as we talked about today, uh, he won't go to the sports book and lay down the, his shuckles, but he will get over to the roulette table on a regular basis, my friend. <laughs> He likes the spinning wheel. Yeah. I love shekels being invoked on a Thursday. Absolutely. Uh, uh, here in Vegas. Well, that, that is good news, and you're right. We are still the epicenter of championship sports. Stanley Cup uh, banner went about a third of the way up last night. They didn't put it all the way in the rafters. They're waiting until they can have fans in the building to do that. And they did hammer someone's Blackhawks. Sorry, Frank. Uh, although, did you advocate the Blackhawks when you came to Vegas so long ago, or do you still kind of have allegiance to them? Because they're I, not very good. So I it love, would be a good I time love, to advocate if you're going to advocate. I love the Blackhawks. I will always be a Blackhawk fan. I will still have the three Cubs, but they're going to be horrific this year. Uh, <laughs> they had Crawford and Leonard. They let both of them go for Subban and Dahlia as their goaltenders. They have announced that they're in a rebuild mode. So, yeah, I mean, I have no hope whatsoever for this season uh, except for to kind of get the the 56 games over Listen to this. in Chicago. One game in, one game in and it, we want to get the next 55 over. That's not good, Frank. But but the front office has already said they're in a rebuild, and Kane and Taze went, what? Listen, we didn't listen, sign up listen, for this. We're not, we're not wasting valuable time talking about the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm still, I'm still going with spinning wheel. I want some blood, sweat, and tears when Frank brings that on. Let's go. There we go. Sing it, TJ. <laughs> you don't want me to sing. Zup. Yeah. Must come oh, down. The Blackhawks used hard, to be baby. up, and now they're way down. <laughs> I did have – we were watching last night, and I did have one of the twins say to me that the Blackhawks used to be good. <laughs> and I did say to her, they won three Stanley Cups. <laughs> but it's been a while, and it's apparently going to be a while from what Frank was just laying out. Yeah. And so we'll we'll see. Long way to go, obviously, in the in the hockey season. 
And we have we had optimism about all of that happening last night, and now you you turn your attention really fully to the Buccaneers and this game coming Sunday night. Uh, everywhere that I have been, initials brother from another mother, T.C. Martin, uh, the last two or three days, it's all anybody wants to talk about. And uh, that is this matchup now, Buccaneers and Saints, the third go-around. And I, I, as this week goes on, I continue, what do I know? I continue to look at this game and say, Buccaneers have a great chance to go grab this one and still be alive this time next week. All right, so we, a lot of storylines here. Of course, uh, Drew Brees turns 42 tomorrow. Yes. And yep. 43 is your man, Tom Brady. Combined ages, Frank point out, 85. years. 85 years of quarterback. It's yes. amazing. So, so, some old people go to Florida to retire. Some go down there to play quarterback. <laughs> uh, <laughs> big contrast to what's happening in the AFC with the uh, pair of 25-year-olds, you know. So, yes, but okay, let's talk about this because the first two matchups, my friend, have not gone so well for your guys there. Is this a case where the Saints just have the Buccaneers number or are you looking at this as you are with your whatever colors they are now? I don't know what they call them. That that pewter red, pewter and red, pewter, pewter, pewter's not a color. Pewter sounds something that that it's going in a toilet or something. That is not good, my friend. (laughs) Pewter. No, it, it, let's get back to the cream second. It's how the Bucks played in the second game with the Saints, just yes. to back you up on that. But we're not living in the past. Okay. We're not here on a Thursday on the T.C. Martin show to live in the past but about those two defeats. Let me finish my question. So is it the, yeah. the Saints have their number, or do you feel that the Saints, or rather the Buccaneers, are really gelling together offensively with Brady, with Brown, with Gronk, with with everybody else, uh, Mike, uh, with Mike Evans, Godwin and company, they do look much better. However, I must point out, T.J. Reeves, they still have not beaten a team with a winning record, except the Green Bay Packers, of course. That is correct. All right, so what do you right, think? So I'm not sure which question I'm supposed to answer. Yeah, all like the above. That was terrible. That was terrible. Uh, all right, so I'll just go with, I'll go with all of the things that you asked yeah. and just say they believe they are better. Over the course of the last five weeks, Brady has been devastating, just like the Brady you saw in person in Las Vegas back in October. He's looked like that guy. Now, how much of that is the competition? I will grant you. It hasn't been stellar. So now you play a very good Saints defense. And and here are the two things that you really have to hone in on for this game. The first one is, can they protect Tom Brady? Because if they keep him upright, if they keep him from getting hit, you saw what he did last week for the Washington football team. The strength of their team was the, was the defensive pass rush and being able to harass him. He was, he was comfortable back there basically the entire night. He got sacked twice towards the end of the game, but by and large, Chase, uh, Chase Young was not a factor. Their pass rush was not a factor, and Brady threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns in the game. So that's a big key. And the other thing is don't self-inflict with turning the ball over in penalties. New Orleans is too good. They're too well-coached and playing at home for you to make those mistakes that they made really in both the games and both the losses and be able to win this one. So that's the two things. If you're looking at this from the offensive side of the ball, that are going to be, be the biggest factors. If, if Brady has time and they don't turn the ball over, they're going to score 24, 27, 31 points on the saints because they've done it to everybody else. They've played. The one aberration is that uh, horrific Sunday night game in November against new Orleans, where they couldn't get out of their own way. In the first half, that's the only game where they haven't scored points, including against the Packers earlier this year, the number one seed, where they put 38 on the board. So this team can score. Let's see if it continues. So the matchup itself here, you mentioned the Mm -hmm. offensive side. I guess the big question I have is the defensive side. What can they do differently to slow down Breeze and not just Breeze, but Kamara and and the other weapons. Now that Michael Thomas is is back as well too, because I agree with you. I think that they can probably move the ball a little bit against the Saints better than what we saw, you know, in that game at Tampa. But defensively, I mean, you know how I feel about your boy Murphy Bunting and and, and that <laughs> secondary. I mean, it's it's I, I I'm scared to put my money on this team, TJ Reeves, because of what I see on the defensive side of the ball. If you're ever going to make Drew Brees uncomfortable, it's probably going to be this year. Can that D-line put significant pressure on him? 
That's a big question. The Bucks will welcome Mac Devin White, who has not played the last two games after testing positive for COVID-19 and being on the reserve list. He's now tested negative. He's returned to practice earlier in the week. That will make a big difference in the middle of the defense because he's going to be running around against Kamara in the past game, against Jared Cook, one of the tight ends. And they, they have got to be better in terms not only of pass rush, but pass coverage like you're talking about. Because in the, in the previous two meetings with the Saints, they gave Drew Brees way too many targets, way too many easy targets. Todd Bowles, the former Jets coach, has got to crank that defense up and have them ready to go to put some pressure on and to also cover better than what they do, did in the two games with the Saints. I, I will just say what I've said consistently in these interviews all week. I've loved coming on and talking with everybody. If the Bucks get decent defense, if they get decent defense, they not only can win this game, they can win the whole thing. Beating Green Bay and or beating Kansas City, if it comes to that, in, in, a, in a Super Bowl. They just have to get decent defense, get some stops, get an occasional turnover, and let Brady and the offense do the rest. So let's see if that formula can hold true. I will tell you there were times in that Bears game last week where New Orleans showed some vulnerability, and, and, and if they show that on Sunday night, the Buccaneers will beat them. If they show that vulnerability, if Alvin Kamara puts that ball on the carpet that he did right in front of that big Bears defensive lineman who didn't even dive on the ball, BGK Frank, didn't even go after the ball, just stood there and watched Kamara hop back on it, there'll be three Buccaneers that'll dive on that ball if that happens on Sunday night. So let's see if they're more aggressive and let's see what happens. And the Saints may be uh, raring to go and electric. The one big factor, and I don't know how much you talked about this, no crowd for them is a huge deal. That place is deafening. It is arguably the loudest place in the NFL, especially for a playoff game, and it will be no factor. It's the, the, the lack of being able to hear, change the play, having to take a timeout when you don't want to because nobody knows the play, none of that's a factor in this game, and that's advantage Buccaneers. Yeah, when you talk about that Bears game, it would be nice if the guy that likes to punch people in the helmet could also catch a pass when it's thrown right in his hands, too. But, but that didn't happen either. But one of the things that I think could be an X factor in this game is Hill playing quarterback and doing some other stuff for the Saints. We know that they like to run the ball with him. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Hill maybe throw a pass or two in this one. I know in the Bears game, the Bears were – they brought everybody up to stop him from the run. He had one particular play where a guy was wide open because they played the run so much. He did not throw it to him. But it seems like they've tried to implement him more and more this season. You talked about Kamara. We know about Drew Brees. How much of a fact do you think Hill could be in this game? Because it is a different aspect. And he and they're trying to use him not just as a runner these days. Yeah, he's he's very versatile, and he's had some games now over the course of the last three years where he's done different things to clobber the Bucks. He blocked a punt in one game to help him at, on on punt block. Now he blocked it. He had another play uh, in a game where he took the kickoff against the Buccaneers back about forty yards on a kickoff as the kickoff returner. They threw it to him in the Sunday night game for about a forty-yard catch. And then you're right; they've begun to use him some also as a power runner where they will put the tight end in front of him, put a pulling guard in front of him, and just say, go get it. And the Bucks have to be ready for that, for that extra dimension. Uh, we will see. We, we will see if the Bucks are, are much more ready than what they have been uh, in, in some previous games with that X factor for New Orleans because he is a big X factor. But, but by the same token, they're going to probably live and die here whether Drew Brees holds up, gets time to throw, and can make the throws. And he did so last week in the second half, especially against Chicago. They won the game. You know what Taysom Hill also does, and credit Sean, uh, rather, uh, Sean Payton for this, and I'm making a joke when I say credit, is he takes downs away from the Saints. He takes downs away because anybody who's doing their homework knows exactly more times than not what they're going to get. And, the, and that's why Peyton did what he did last week, trying to have Taysom Hill go out of the box a little bit and throw. And he threw the interception. And like you said, didn't, you know, miss the receiver. This, this is stuff that irritates me when you have a guy like Drew Brees. And Drew Brees won't say it, but it irritates him as well, too. And we've, hear, we've heard 
Troy Aikman talk about this when he has done these broadcasts with the Saints. You give away downs when you bring in Taysom Hill because everybody knows what's coming. More times than not, it's going to be out of the Wildcat. He's going to run. Very few times is he going to throw the ball, and very few times is he actually going to throw the ball downhill, uh, you know, down the field. So to me, this disrupts rhythm. It takes Breeze out of the game, and I've seen it time in and time out. And last week, most recently, we see it again where Sean Payton tries to outsmart himself well and that's a common that's a valid common criticism and i'm all for it but one thing that you point to is when he took over at quarterback where you would traditionally think okay they're going to struggle with breeze out of there he was very effective at standing in the pocket and throwing they rolled him out some and he threw he is definitely dangerous enough, even out of a wildcat, that he will rear back and throw the ball. You have to play that. It's not as if he's, he's simply a running back trying to throw. He played quarterback at BYU, and they believe enough in him that they believe he can be the heir apparent to Breeze, at least for now. And we saw it. They put him in there instead of Jameis Winston for those four games. Oh, no. Listen, that he can play quarterback, look. but I agree with you. If you have he and Breeze on the field there, you're taking away – from Drew Brees when you're putting the ball in Hill's hands to do something. Yeah, and that and, may be advantage Buccaneers. And, and that's the thing, though. We're talking about two different th- situations here because when he is the starting quarterback and when he plays, he is a complete quarterback like he was at BYU. He can do it all, but I'm saying when, especially before Brees got injured, when he would come in, when Brees was completely healthy, when Taysom Mill was only coming in for six, seven snaps, you saw that. And now that Brees is back you're starting to see him open up a little bit more and willing to throw it, but still in meaningful games like this, you're still going to see him doing the same thing he did before in those sets. You know what I'm saying? But I agree with you. I mean, he can play quarterback if they would let him play quarterback, and I'd be fine with taking the Saints if Drew Brees is completely out. But when he comes in specifically for Brees, I, you, more times than that, you know what you're going to get, and it's predictable, and it just disrupts rhythm. And we saw the Colts do this with Rivers and, and, and Brisket, you know, with Brisket Man coming in there. You know, I love the food. <laughs> You know, Heineken last week, I got brisket. What happened? I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't even move the pile. And he, there's no rhythm. There's nothing there. And they had a turnover on downs twice in the last two games when brisket would come in. So I'm not a fan of this T.J. Reeves. At least with your guy, he's, he's not coming out of the game. You think Tom Brady's going to roll out of the game so they can run some goofy formation and, and let uh, you know Jones come in there and run it? No, you're not going to do that with Tom Brady. It's it's just it's ridiculous. I, I don't disagree. I will take be, Bruce uh, Arians over Sean Payton every every day of the week and twice on Sunday. All right, but I'm not uh, sure I'll like take that. him this Sunday. I don't know. I like. <laughs> you haven't made the you haven't made the commitment as of yet. I have Friday. You got to stay I, tuned for Friday. I have. Gotta stay tuned for Friday right. on that. Uh, well, I mean, and and the other thing that we haven't talked about here, and and it's been uh, articulated all over the place. So we might as well put it out on the TC Martin Show if you have not already. Beating a team three times in one season. So it is a misnomer. It is incorrect to say that it's hard to beat a team three times in a season in the NFL. It's not hard because most of the time since 1970, there have been 21 occasions previous to this weekend where a team beat a division opponent twice in the regular season and then played them in the third game in the playoffs. And 14 of the 21 times, the team that had already won twice went ahead and won the third time. So it's not hard to do. But let's just say it has happened, and it has happened in some significant settings, including Eli Manning, Oh, by the way, in 2007, that's the last time that it happened, beat the Dallas Cowboys, who had beaten them twice, turned around and beat the Packers. Was one T.C. Martin in Green Bay still at that time? I was back there. In, uh, I was back there. That time, they, beat, yes. they beat the Pack and beat Favre in the overtime game and then beat the 18-0 and Patriots. Mm-hmm. So that's the last time that it happened. The, the next three times now since then, the team that's won the first two went ahead and won the third game in the playoffs. That includes the Saints doing it three years ago. So... Mm-hmm. While it does favor the Saints, it does give you food for thought that uh, really going back to 1992, we're not going way, way back, it's happened five times. So let's see if Brady can make it number six with the Buccaneers. Bear in mind, no AFC East team when he was with the Patriots ever beat them three times in one year. So 
Well, just file that away for what it's worth. The reason why it does happen where teams do beat a, a team again three times in a row because you're usually the better team, and there is something to the matchup advantage or having their number, that sort of thing. And a lot of people think, oh, it's okay, the, the do theory or the bounce-back theory. Football doesn't work like that. That, that doesn't you, you could have a bounce back theory if you have a bad game one week and you're facing a different opponent and you've had a week to prepare, but you're facing the same opponent. Usually a lot of times the same results happen over and over again. That's why we see stats with, I hate to say it, but you know, Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre versus the Chicago Bears. There is a reason for that. A lot of that isn't so much just the quarterback, but it's the schemes, it's the personnel, it's the confidence, it's, it's all that stuff you have. And I think definitely... And- and to your point, the Saints have been that against the Buccaneers yes. really over the last probably five seasons. They've done it to a lot of people, but they Peyton has figured out uh, against the Buccaneer personnel how to manage it, manipulate it, and really against Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles' defense, Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees have figured it out, and they have won the four meetings. They have won all four meetings the last two years against the coaching staff up until this point. But I, I will say this, too, because I love putting the numbers out and the stats out, and you, you guys out in Vegas are trying to figure all of this out. Tom Brady has only been on the road one time ever in the divisional round. I mean, New England was always at home in the second round of the playoffs. That one time was a win over the 14-2 and San Diego, then San Diego Chargers, and LaDainian Tomlinson and Phillip Rivers, speaking of him. 2006, they were on the road. They won the game 24-21 with Brady throwing for 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns. So just file that away. It is very rare that Brady has been in this spot on the road in this round of the playoffs. Let's see what they do in in a fanless, basically, Superdome that'll have four or 5,000 people there, not anywhere near the noise and the volume. Let's see what happens. Oh, yeah, indoor conditions. He's got the turf. Uh, buildings yep. has success in, in the postseason. Sure, absolutely. I, I agree. By the way, I, I don't think it pained you to say that about the uh, Packers beating the Bears. And, and, and Let's put him in his place, Frank. Let's put him in his place. One of the times that the two, the, the team winning the two games in the 2000s and losing the third game was the Green Bay Packers in 04 against Dante and, Culpepper, Randy Moss, and the Vikings, okay. if you remember that one, I, I, that was it. Yeah, I was, there I, I was there at that game, and then I was at that game that you talked about with Brett Favre's last game on that bitter, cold evening as well, yep. too, to Eli Manning. So I, I know what you're talking about. What I remember most about that Dante Culpepper game is when the, the Vikings scored their first touchdown, the obnoxious media people that cover the Vikings from Minneapolis were, like, dancing. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and these guys were have been in the media for a long time. About, like in the press, in box, the press dancing? box, yeah, they're dancing. Like, yeah, there we go, there we go, Super Bowl time, here we go. <laughs> and I'm going, and we're looking at these clowns. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, so that's that. That, that were, were they the dancing as much as you do here in the studios when you're almost nobody has moves like that, my friend. <laughs> Pump up the volume, dance, dance, dance. You got that right. Come on, T.J. Reeves. I don't know if T.J. Reeves has those kind of moves. I don't know if he can find. I, those moves. Uh, I had past tense some moves, maybe at some point. Having them in the present tense, not as much anymore. We I talked try. about he's he's a, he's killer at the at the father daughter dance. He's, he's, he'd tear <laughs> me, it up there. Speaking of that, speaking oh. of that, you did want me to share this, that in my household with the 12-year-old identical twin girls, one of them is pumped, amped, and believes Buccaneers all the way. And then the other one said, I think the Saints are going to win. And I, I tried to explain to her, as I've said to you and I will now say here on the T.C. Martin Show, uh, you do understand that Daddy gets more checks working for the Buccaneers <laughs> if we continue to win. Let's knock this stuff off about the Saints making it three for three. Yeah, and just, let's have some positive attitude going into Sunday night. Yeah, just In my like, own household, we have questions, T.C. Tell her that's more cereal for her. More checks equals more cereal and more good food. And maybe for you guys, more drive through service at Mc, yeah. Mickey D's. I was going to say, more trips yeah. to the drive through for sure. drive but, but I do find, yes, that's whatever it takes. But I do find it hard to believe that people from the home of Prince don't know how to dance at all. Ooh, the home no. of Prince. Yeah, yeah. They, no. they, 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 these guys were, come on, they, they had no business. Well, hopefully, because no business. that was the game where Moss, remember, went over to the goalpost yeah. and mimicked like he was mooning the crowd. Yeah, hopefully, absolutely. the Viking media guys weren't yeah. trying to mimic that no, as well. No, that's a no, that's, we didn't again, it was kind of a nasty rivalry. The Bears-Packers, like I've said many times, very cool. Every, they Both sides appreciate the history and the fun. But the Vikings, it, it was like always been, it was a nasty rivalry with those clowns. 
Hey, let me give you let me give you one more number because you love the numbers. You know, you love these remembrances. This this is crazy because all the news is going around in the state that Urban Meyer is going to be back in the state here to be the Jacksonville Jaguars coach, which I'm still shaking my head. And I know you don't want to spend ten minutes on that, and you want to move on and get out of here. But when you go back to teams beating a team twice in one season, the Jacksonville Jaguars' greatest regular season ever was the '99 regular season where they went. 14-0 and against the rest of the NFL, but lost both games to the Tennessee Titans. So they're 14-2. and Who do they play in the AFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl? The Tennessee Titans, who come into Jacksonville and beat them decisively with Eddie George, uh, Kerry Collins, I believe, at quarterback. They beat them a third time, so Jacksonville finished uh, with a playoff win, 15-3, and 15-0 and against the rest of the NFL, and lost all three times to the Titans, including the AFC Championship game. So when you, when you just out of hand say that it's tough to beat a team three times, Tennessee Titans are saying it ain't that tough. It there it is, tough ladies and gentlemen. That, that is our cracked statistician, T.J. Reeves, all the way from Tampa, <laughs> our new statistician of the show. And you're not going to get that just anywhere. And, and, and by the way, go. like Urban Meyer, Eddie George, Former Ohio State Buckeye. Buckeye, yeah. The, the hairless neck, I just as you said. Know, I just want to know, is Urban Meyer the part of his brain that allowed him to make NCAA violations and not remember? Because that's what Ohio State <laughs> told everybody, remember? That he had something wrong with his brain that had him forgetting the NCAA violations and the problems. Uh, Does that have him forgetting right now? This is the Jacksonville Jaguar job that you're taking. Exactly. Not the void or the void of talent. Of void of talent. Yeah. I've never knew Urban Meyer to be much of a developer, a recruiter. <laughs> yes, develop or not. Yes, for, forget about it. All right, TJ Reeves, we leave you with this. This is your golden moment. This is your your time to shine. This is why your franchise went and got Tom Brady. This is why Tom Brady is there for games like this. This is why Brady went out to reach out to Rob Gronkowski and says, come with me, Gronk. That's yep. why Tom Brady reached out to Antonio Brown and said, get yourself together. Bruce Arians, this guy will conform. These are the games. They're going to need all three of these guys to shine, my friend. This is it. They're, the pressure's I, on. I, I agree with everything. Preach on from the pulpit here on the yeah. T.C. Martin Show. Antonio Brown, by the way, five touchdowns in the last four games, four of them. I got a touchdown in each of the last four games. So he's come on, and Gronkowski did an amazing job last week as a blocker and was very selfless. They left him on the line of scrimmage and said, help block Chase Young, help block the blitzing linebackers, and he did it. And if you talk about buying in and the team concept, there you go. And let's hope it translates into Sunday night. I, I will leave you with this. Uh, if this game is up for grabs in the fourth quarter, I don't care that it's in the Superdome with 5,000 people there. I'm not going against the GOAT. I'm not going against Tom Brady. All right, Period. final score prediction from you, my friend. Let's go. What is it? I'm writing it down. I will go Buccaneers 31, Saints 27. How about something like that? Write Maybe it down. a late touchdown from, Bra from Brady wins the game. I think the Bucks move on to the NFC Championship game, and it may be that we're talking about bye-bye Drew Brees. We probably are. Sunday night, if the Bucks beat him, that's probably it for Brees. Then, How you, about then that? you and I are going to have a heck of a conversation next week going to Lambeau Field with the GOAT and yourself and the Buccaneers going to play in some frigid temperatures. We'll have some fun with that, and there'll be a there wager on that. There might be a few people watching and interested in Bucks Saints, and then even a few more people interested if it's Buccaneers and Packers for the NFC title That's with Brady and Rodgers. Yeah, Maybe if it's a, just if, a few. If it's the Bucks packers you certainly know that there's going to be a lot of talk about that one win that they've had against a winning team. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good story. There it is. Very true. But, you know, if I hear this one more time, and I was on in New Orleans and they were saying it, hey, you know, one team, the cage, the cage on, one team knows how to beat the other team in this game. Uh, same thing if it's the Bucks or the Packers. There's one team that knows they were 38-10 better than the other one, and it ain't Green Bay. So let's yeah. see. Let's uh, see if it comes to that. All right, there you go. Man, the Packers jumped out to, uh, quickly. It looked like they were going to blow yeah. out the Bucks that day, and then it all flipped. All right, there it is, Mr. Putrid. What is it? What, let's see, what are the team colors again? Pewter red. Can shoot the lasers? Going to make everyone scream. We'll be out there in the, uh, in the Superdome. We'll see what happens. You boys be well. Um, and, and we'll see if the Buccaneers can rock on here in the divisional round of the playoffs. Right. Yeah, who needs rose-colored glasses when you have pewter red glasses? Exactly. Or as TC would call it, putrid colored That's glasses. It. Exactly. Bring back the cream sickles and bring back, bring back that picture of the, the, the knife in the guy's mouth. That's what I want. There was nothing like that. That was outstanding.
Come on, TJ Reeves. Bring that back. You got some pull there. You, the- you still want to bring back, though, what do you think about your team's execution when the coach said, I'm all for it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Right. John McKay, I'm all for it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mr. Owen, 14 at the time. Very nice. <laughs> Took that knife out of his mouth and stabbed somebody yeah. with it. <laughs> Jeez. All right, my friend. Hey, enjoy the game. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Championship mojo still going on in Tampa Bay, boys. Let's see if it continues Sunday night on the road in New Orleans. And, and the good news is, tell real quick, where the tw- where the Twins watching the game on Nickelodeon last weekend? We do not have Nickelodeon <laughs> in the house, and I think they're a little older for that That's for a, that stuff thank, anyway. So it's goodness. kind of interesting. But I I hear we missed out. They had two million people watching. Nobody's laughing at that number after what happened with that. Uh, and uh, and maybe. Maybe uh, Sean Payton getting slimed won't be the worst thing that happened to him all postseason. Maybe it's going to be Sunday night. Let's see. All right, brother. Be good, and we'll talk to you later. See you, boys. There he is, TJ Reeves. He's a great follow on Twitter as well, too. And don't forget, he's got the Three Dog Thursday podcast, Big Fight Weekend podcast. Check all that out. His uh, Three Dog Thursday podcast is out there as we speak right now, so go uh, check that out. Always great insight. Uh, appreciate being on with him and uh, like having him on uh, the show as well, your Bucks sideline reporter. And we certainly know who his uh, big dog is that he's rooting for this weekend. It is. That big dog is once, the, the Bucks. Once more of those checks rolling in. Yeah. And that, that in, I can relate to that. That's exactly when you're covering a team, work for a team, you, you want them to keep winning because you get paid the more they play. Yeah, you go through the drive-thru, you don't have to get just go on the dollar menu. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, when we come back, Chuck Esposito is going to join us from Sunset Station. We start looking at the lines of all four NFL games, and we talk Golden Knights. Opening night against the Ducks coming up next. Now, now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. That boy is good. The doctor, T.C. Martin. All right, playoff weekend, divisional round. Looking forward to it Saturday and Sunday, breaking it all down. Let's look at it from a sports book perspective as well. Our man, Chuck Esposito, Sunset Station, Station Casinos, joins us now. What is going on, Chuck? All good, TC. Fun uh, fun divisional round. It was great last week having three games on Saturday and three on Sunday, all kind of isolated or island games. And we've got uh, four great matchups this weekend as well. All right, sounds good. We'll get into the football, but uh, as you uh, should know right now, Chuck, we've actually t- taken you know Ballpark Frank, and we've we've changed his name since it's hockey season. He's he's going back to VGK Frank for the for the next few months until the Knights are eliminated. So just be aware of that, okay? I love it, man. I'm walking around today saying it's nighttime anyway. So uh, I think we're all excited for um, you know we were excited for hockey to be back and and drop the puck, but even more so, I think from both sides of the counter. Uh, the guests excited to watch the night. Us, you know, we're big fans. It, it adds a lot to, to what we offer in the book, and including a, a slew of props on every night game. Um, so uh, we're glad that hockey's back as well. All right, uh, let, Chuck. Let's look at this because I know again you're you're a hockey guy as well too, not just from a number side. But let's let's break this game down tonight uh, against the Ducks. And we expect uh, a lot of people expect the Knights to win. Hence, whatever the line is two thirty, two forty, whatever. We'll get into that in a minute. But just talk about the Golden Knights this year. Mark Stone, named captain. Give us some thoughts uh, with the Knights. They're a good team, TC. There's no question that they're one of the favorites to uh, to win it all. They happen to play in a really good division, though, um, where you've got you know a team that is co-favorite with them to win the cup, and that's the Colorado Avalanche. You've got uh, two years ago uh, Cup champion St. Louis Blues in that division. Um, the Avalanche are actually favorite uh, to win the division, but it's a really talented Knights team. I mean, you look at the the offseason move of picking up Alex Petangelo. Um, they're a fun team that can run four lines out there. I think we're all excited to watch them tonight. Uh, they will be uh, big favorites, you know, in a lot of these games. They're, they're playing each team in their division, only division, 56 games in 116 days with no East Coast or, you know, lengthy road trips to the East or, or Midwest. So, I mean, it really kind of bodes well for them uh, to have that goalie tandem of Fleury and Leonard that they can run out there on every other night. But tough division again, co-favorites with the Avalanche to, to hoist uh, Lord Stanley's Cup. 
And you mentioned that goalie tandem for Vegas, and I think that's the one edge that they have maybe over Colorado and St. Louis. Of course, St. Louis not only loses Petrangelo, Tarasenko on long-term injured reserve once again. So, you know, they have some some holes that they have to fill there. But um, Vegas should be right in the mix. Uh, I think that they should be right up there with Colorado as the co-favorites like you mentioned. I am curious to see how they do work it with Leonard and Fleury because both of these guys are quality goaltenders. Both of these guys are starting NHL goaltenders, but we know that to truly be at your best, you have to get enough games to stay in form, and I'm curious to see what the mix is going to be for them this year because it certainly looks like Leonard is DeBoer's guy. I really think ballpark, based on you know the 56 games in, in 116 days, I think you're going to see a, a, a pretty close to a 50-50 split. I know that that's not conventional. Um, you know, in hockey, you always kind of have the guy, and we've talked about that, that Leonard's the Boers guy, but you have so many back-to-backs where you've got a Friday-Saturday or even a Friday-Sunday. You know, this is almost every game is like this. I mean, there is not a big gap in between. So I think you, you see a much more even split. I think they both have something to prove. Leonard got that big deal. He is, you know, DeBoer's guy. He's not looking for his fourth team in, in four years. He had three teams in three years. And I think for Flurry's case, I mean, he was talked about being dealt. He's still the face of the franchise. There's more 29 jerseys than any other jersey that's walking around T-Mobile when we can all go there and hang out. So I, I think both guys kind of have something to prove and should have a little bit of a of a chip on their shoulder. But I really think it's going to be much closer to a 50-50 split than if it was a normal 82-game schedule over a you know five-month period. You know, I'm I, I think you know that's what fans you know believe and want. Obviously, they would love to see that 50-50 split. But honestly, guys, didn't we think that this was going to be the case last year as well too? Even when there were some nights off, I mean, we saw. You know exactly what happened in the playoffs, where DeBoer said it, it was it was Leonard, Leonard, and more Leonard. And I'm just thinking, like Frank said, that's his guy. I think he's going to lean on him much more than than we're than we think we're going to get here. I think fans want Flurry just as much. I don't personally. I I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think it's going to be anything close to fifty fifty. I'm thinking it's going to be seventy five twenty five. And you guys might be right. This is just my opinion. I think in, you know fans might want Flurry, but the bottom line is fans want to win. I mean, you're playing each team in your division. You know, a lot more times it's eight games against each team. I just think it'll be closer to a fifty-fifty split. But I, I could be yeah. wrong. I mean, that's that's just what what I think it would be. But you could be right. It could be seventy-five or eighty percent. You know, that, that's the way it is. But you're playing so many more back-to-back. Um, I, I think just with that set alone, you, you know, when you're playing a Friday, Saturday or a Saturday, Sunday or Monday, Tuesday, I have to think yeah. that they're going to be switching those goalies. So it, maybe it'll be somewhere in between. You know, you guys think it'll be closer to 75, 25. I think it's 50, 50. Maybe it's someplace in between. No, it, yeah. it probably is. And that's, yeah, and that's me. I know Frank is with you thinking 50, 50, yeah. but I, I don't know about 50, yeah. 50, but, but I'm expecting 60, maybe 40. like 60, 40 yeah. or something. But like let, that. Because Flurry is the type of goalie. He does need to get reps to stay sharp you and, and you can't hold it against him if he has a game and he's and he doesn't play well because he doesn't have enough time so I still think Leonard is the Boar's number one guy I think he'll get a few more starts but probably closer to 60 40 is what I'm thinking but but again it might just go if one of the goalie is hot he might just go with him for a while too we we don't know the season's going to play itself out and see how things go and hopefully the one thing we don't have to worry about is somebody gets injured and all of a sudden uh one of the goalies is forced into more reps and Oscar Danska's playing backup or something. Because injuries do happen right, in the game. But, but here's the thing but, that, that I think that, that, that DeBoer actually thinks a little bit different than us, or I'll speak for myself here, is that I think Fleury and Leonard are basically 1-1A. One one I mean, they, they are equal, but I really believe DeBoer thinks that Lerner is much better than Fleury, and I don't think that's the case. Well, if he thinks I, I don't they're 1-1A, one one then I think that he should play him closer to a split. Right, exactly. That, that's but what he, I he, think, guys. But yeah. don't forget, I mean, you talk about, you know, Leonard was in Buffalo, and they let him go. You know, he was with the Islanders. They didn't offer him a contract, and then they signed it Verlamov. I mean, you talk about uh, – and then and then Chicago had him. Uh, you know, it, it appeared that Leonard said he, he was willing to take a team-friendly deal. The Hawks said they were not, and they dealt him. And there was so much uncertainty toward the end of the season last year. So I think there's an ad in amount of pressure for him now because he is okay you're DeBoer's guy you're playing for one of the best teams in the league you've got a goalie that this town loves and embraces and as I said 
Everybody wears that 29 jersey. He is the face of the franchise. And I think, you know, if, if there's any stumbles or if he's not off to a great start, I think the board's going to have to lean on the other guy. And, and injuries are a part of it. And especially in a condensed season, you know, you're going to need both these guys to be at their best. So, again, for me, I, I think they are 1-1A. One one I think they both can win a big game. I think they both can be between the pipes in a Game 7 of the Cup Final, if need be, and win the Cup for Vegas. And I think that's the luxury we have, especially when you look at the Western Division of having a tandem like those guys that can be through in between the pipes on any given night. All right, what is the line on this, uh, Chuck, right now? And uh, I would imagine some one-sided money, or are you actually getting any dog money? No, I mean, it, it, they're, they're a huge favorite, guys. They're by far the biggest favorite on the board. Uh, the ticket count is fairly absurd uh, in favor of VGK, but you, you expect that. I mean, they're playing a team that, you know, is, is probably uh, the, the seventh or, or eighth team in the Western Conference, um, had a very poor offense last year, didn't score a lot of goals against a team that's the favorite to win the Cup. Plus, we know the way that they, our guests play these games. They, they love betting on the Knights, and I'm a huge Knights fan, season ticket holder, um, you know, and, and want to see them do well. But many nights, especially on the puck line, we're, uh, we're rooting against them a little bit from our side of the counter. But they're, they're a huge favorite on the board tonight. But just glad, again, to say it's nighttime and, and know that they'll be dropping the puck tonight. All right. Chuck Esposito joins us from Sunset Station. Chuck, let's transition to football. A lot of money coming in right now. we got divisional games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Let's start with a game at 1.30 on Saturday, the Rams and the Packers. We get news today, that, which we figured, Jared Goff is going to be the starting quarterback for the Rams. Blake Bortles will be the backup. John Walford will be inactive, still injured. The Packers, seven. We saw a little line movement, went down to six and a half. Where does this game sit right now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little below that key number right now, guys. And, you know, I think you talk about the Packers, and they got to the NFC Championship game last year and were beaten by a team in the 49ers that, that really ran the ball down their throat. And I think if you're the Rams offense, you want to do the same thing. If it's Akers or Brown or Henderson, you want to be able to do the same thing. Um, Goff, he should have probably, you, you would have thought, would have got the start last week, but they, they leaned towards Wolford, but it was obvious that Goff was healthy. It looks like Cooper Cup will play. It looks like Donald will play. I think the big matchup here, guys, is you know Donald getting in the face of Rodgers, but for me it's Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams. You have, in my opinion, the best wideout in football against the best DB in the league. I mean, is he going to be on him? Is he going to move from side to side? And are they going to put other guys on him? That's the key matchup. But as good as the Packers are and the favorite in the NFC, I think the Rams' defense is an interesting matchup for that team to see how it plays out. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a good matchup with that Packer offense against that Ram defense. Much different Ram team than went to the bowl a couple years ago. Is there good two-way action in this game, Chuck? Are there, are there, Rams there is, support? guys. Yeah. There is. I think it will go back up um, by kickoff on Sunday, but, you know, or on Saturday, but uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. When it comes to the uh, the Rams defense there, and you mentioned Donald uh, expected to play in the game, what I think he does is it's not even necessarily that he needs to get sacks and certainly you want him putting pressure on, but just his presence on the field makes the rest of that front look a little bit more dangerous because they have to try to get after Rodgers collectively because we know that if he gets an opening, he's not afraid to run the ball either, and he might not be the greatest runner in the world, but he can certainly pick up crucial first downs and keep that ball moving and the chains moving. Right. I mean, you look at the year that Leonard Floyd has had, guys. I mean, he struggled with Chicago for a number of years, um, never kind of uh, approached what they thought he would be, especially once they got Khalil Mack. He's just been a beast out there and creates havoc on the other side. Um, so that defense is really good. They are a shutdown D. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun matchup. You know, it's not actually going to be the, the frozen tundra of Land Lambeau Field on Saturday, but it still is going to be cold. It'll be one of the coldest games, you know, uh, for Goff to play in as well. So uh, we'll see, guys. But it's a, it's a really good matchup of kind of the, the offense-defense in the early game on Saturday. All right. A little fun fact here for you, Chuck. Jared Goff in game started below freezing temperatures. No touchdown passes, five interceptions. So... There you go. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, I, I think uh, the weather's going to be fine. 5.15 p.m., Buffalo uh, hosting Baltimore. The line two and a half with Buffalo. This is an intriguing game, Chuck, because I, 
you know, Josh Allen has had a great year this year, but there's still those visions of, of big games and the low completion percentage the last couple seasons. And there's Lamar Jackson. He finally busted out last week. But, you know, for me, this is a battle of quarterbacks. It's still a little bit hard to handicap here. So now we got to look at the defenses. Both defenses seem pretty capable. Uh, how are you handicapping this game? And for me, guys, this is the game that I can't wait to watch. Um, I agree with you. It's two young quarterbacks. But I think you look at Josh Allen's completion percentage, uh, you know, looking at it three years ago and two years ago, it was on the bottom. But you look at it this year, and it's dramatically different. He's in the top five. And Lamar Jackson's case, he had never won a bowl game at Louisville. He had never won a, a playoff game in pro football. And he was able to do that. The Bills had lost Three of the last uh, the three of the last four years they've been in the playoffs. They lost the wild card round. They're able to win that. The Buffalo Mafia is crazy. There are going to be fans there. The Colts said it sounded like there was over twenty five thousand fans there when there was sixty seven hundred last week. I think for the Bills they have to stop the run, which has been a little bit of their Achilles heel this year. Um, and you look at the Ravens; they're going to want to run it. They're going to have to stop this kid though, who's on fire right now. Both teams come in with long winning streaks. I think either one of these teams, if the Chiefs do win, can be competitive and win a game against the Chiefs in the AFC title game if that's the way it works out. But to me, this is the most exciting game of the weekend, and I really want to watch these two young quarterbacks play and happy to root for whoever we need when it kicks off because I think you can make a serious case for both these teams. All right, I would imagine a good two-way action on this game too, I would think, right? Early action was clearly on the Ravens, guys, and we saw this number drop. But we've started to see a late push back on the Bills. Not sure if it gets that ever, that ever important key number, but I think it's trending that way. With only um, literally less than a handful of games being played like this, do you see a lot of people really getting involved with the parlay wagering and teasers and things like that, uh, like they would in a regular week when there's a ton of games to pick from? Absolutely, ballpark. I mean, teasers are, are big. You know, I mean, you, you looked at how well we did on Saturday last week, but you had in the early game and the late game teaser sides. Teaser sides were still live for both those games. You had a li- lot of liability going into the national championship game of teaser and money line play. So teasers, parlay, money line, it's still all really popular with the betters, especially when you when you can look at you know teasing the Packers down to to basically pick them, uh, getting points possibly with the Bills and. And, uh, and Saints, and even teasing the Chiefs down to, you know, maybe less than three. So there's a, they still are a very popular bet even in the postseason. All right, and uh, yours truly will be on the Kansas City Chiefs tease down <laughs> with, with that number at 10. And uh, the Browns coming off, uh, you know, that great victory against uh, Pittsburgh. They're facing a Kansas City Chiefs team, Chuck, as we know, that hasn't covered a game in about two months, haven't had a victory more than six points in, in forever. And uh, But we do have a buy situation. You know what that means with Andy Reid, right? I mean, he's killer after buys. Uh, what are you thinking about this game? Chiefs 10 over the Brownies. I think he's like 23-3 and and 6-0 and <laughs> and postseason with the, with the Chiefs. He's unbelievable. Um, you know, you're right. They haven't covered in eight straight weeks. I think they've gotten a little bit one-dimensional, though. Um, after Hilaire got hurt and he had the great rookie start and then kind of cooled off somewhat, um, they're just one-dimensional, really, with Hill and, and Kelsey. Not that that's a bad thing when you have Patrick Mahomes throwing to you and we still know how good they are and you look at their win-loss record and they're defending champs and they got the bye. So it's all positive things for them, but they are the biggest favorite on the board. They're playing a Browns team that pulled off just a you know an upset that I don't think anybody saw coming. I mean, not the way that they got out to that 28 nothing lead um, against Pittsburgh last week. It's a young Browns team, and I think one of the keys is that if you're going to beat Kansas City, you have to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. And when you look at a running back duo, there's not a better duo for my money than Kareem Hunt and and Nick Chubb. And they're going to have to be successful. They're going to have to control clock. Mayfield's going to have to have a good game as well. But I think they kind of have the ingredient. However, that back end is a little suspect. And we saw the way Pittsburgh came back against them. If that defense and that back end is playing like that, although they had four INTs, they let Big Ben pretty much pick them apart. If that's the case for Patrick Mahomes, could be a long day for that Cleveland secondary. But, again, biggest number on the board, haven't covered in eight straight weeks, a young Browns team with nothing to lose. I go in there kind of loose, but I think the running game for Cleveland is the key for Cleveland to stay close. 
You mentioned the fact, and I know TC was talking about it too, that they haven't covered in so long. Are the numbers still this high? Because even with these high numbers, people are still backing them all over the place. And and is the defense the big question mark for this team? I don't think the defense is that much, guys. You know, I think sometimes when – not that you – I'm, I'm looking at when the Bulls won all their championships. And the regular season wasn't that big of a deal to them. They didn't even care necessarily after they had the, you know, the 70-win season if they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. It was, you know, getting healthy and, and kind of just being where you want to be when the postseason rolls around. And I think that's Kansas City. Would it surprise me if they were in a close game here and, and, you know, they didn't cover again? No. Would it surprise me if they won by four touchdowns? No. So I don't really worry about that too much for them. I just think, again, that they got a little bit one-dimensional, I thought, the second half of the season. Um, but they didn't need to be phenomenal. I mean, they're good enough to beat teams just when they're good, and that's why they're the number one team in the AFC. You got it. All right, Chuck, the 340 game on Sunday, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. A lot of eyes going to be on this one. Brady, Breeze, the line three here with the Saints. Give us some thoughts. You know, kind of surprised that as an industry we opened it up higher and we saw, you know, so much one-sided money on the Bucks. I know, you know, you've got these two quarterbacks here. Brady has never been a wild-card quarterback in his career. Um, so this is a, you know, he won last week against the Washington football team, would have to win here, win again on the road championship Sunday to get, um, you know, to the, to the big game in Tampa. Um, so unkind of familiar territory for him. We know Drew Brees. I mean, what a great ambassador for the league and everything he's accomplished as a quarterback. He'd love to get an opportunity for a second ring. Um, Saints dominated this team twice, guys. They played week one. Maybe Brady still kind of getting acclimated to his team and, and the system in Tampa. It was all Saints. But they played late in the season, and the Saints just beat the – you know what out of them. They dominated them. I think they were up maybe 24, 28 nothing in that game. They put a lot of pressure in Brady's face. Um, that offense did not play well, yet it's been fairly one-sided in favor of Tampa. It, this game's going to be a fun one to watch, too. I think both late games, uh, the, the late game on Saturday and Sunday, are both terrific. You can make a case for any of these those four teams to win it. But, man, having Brady against Breeze as the last game on Divisional Sunday to get to the championship Sunday I think is pretty cool. Get the popcorn ready. Can hardly wait. All right. And uh, get, over, <laughs> get over to Sunset Station and check it all out. The STN app. And uh, Chuck's always got the STN podcast going as well, too, right? Yeah, we've got the bookends podcast all the time. You know, tune into that. Uh, try to just kind of have some fun and break down the games, but also give some information. And just don't forget, I mean, for, for new SDN signups right now, it's up to a $100 bonus. It just really brings the sports book to the palm of your hand. With all this stuff going on right now, pro basketball, college basketball, it's nighttime, as I mentioned earlier. Yep. You've got all the pro football playoff games going on. You're going to have all these, these props coming up as well. Uh, get signed up right now. We'll get you signed up in a matter of minutes, guys. Great stuff, Chuck. All right, my man. Appreciate the time as always, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. All right, guys. Great talking to you. Enjoy the games, and I'll chat with you next week. You got it. All right. Chuck Esposito, uh, great guy and a great uh, place to go watch games over at Sunset Station as well, too. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see if uh, one of the teams from the AARP Bowl can uh, make it to the Super Bowl. All right. All right. It's official. The Jacksonville Jaguars have hired Urban Meyer as head coach. Shad Khan is uh, saying this is a great day for Jacksonville and Jaguar fans everywhere. Urban Meyer, who is who he is, and he's a leader, he's a winner, he's a champion who demands excellence and, pr and produces results. And Urban has a huge, powerful fan base here in Jacksonville. We welcome Urban Meyer with open arms. There it is, Shad Khan, as I paraphrase. What do you think? It's official. He's got a huge fan base, fan there. base down there. Uh, I think because, you know, he's a Florida guy, the Gators coach, and... You know, the world's largest cocktail, because outdoor when he was party, at, Florida, Georgia, you know. Because when he was at Ohio State, yeah. Florida. I'm tell you what Shad said. Florida whipped him. Don't hate on Shad. Well, you can hate on Shad all you want. I care less. All right, final score tonight, VGK, Anaheim. 4-1 uh, VGK. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, there you go. All right. Numbchuck saying 3-2. Close one. Not shootout, is it? So he's no. not taking the puck one then. No, I guess he's not. All right. 
All right, appreciate Chuck Esposito joining us. TJ Reeves from Tampa Bay, our Buck sideline reporter. And, of course, Steve Berline from CBS, the former quarterback uh, himself. Uh, we're back tomorrow with the Cosmopolitan. Make sure you come on and join us. We'll have a good time tomorrow. Mike Pritchard will, will join us. We'll have best bets and a whole lot more. For Ballpark, VGK Frank, T.C. Martin saying so long. We'll see you tomorrow at Cosmopolitan at 2.